Good morning. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did too. Last Saturday week ago, I ran a 5K, that's 3.1 miles, at the gym where uh, I work out a couple of times a week. I came in third in my age group. There were two of us. No, I came in third and there were four of us, actually. And my age group was, it should have been like 60 and above, but my age group was 50 and above. So I came in third, pretty proud of myself. Then on Thanksgiving, I ran another 5K in Frisco. I finished. (laughs) Then we ate all day Thursday. Friday never got out of the house because it was raining. And we had chores to do around the house, getting ready for Christmas decorating, things like that. But yesterday, I probably, like some of you, was, I I needed to go somewhere. I needed to do something. So I found a reason to need to come here to church. So I picked up two of my grandchildren, Lawson and Collier, and they came up here with me. We took care of a couple of things, just mainly wanted to make sure everything was ready for today. You know, this is a big place. When you walk in by yourself or with two young grandchildren with you. We went up one hall, down another, took care of this, took care of that. And then before we left, we were going to go through the fellowship center, which is the big room down on the other end. And when I opened the door to go in the fellowship center, there was this light fixture that was shining down on the floor. Now, I don't know if, you, if you've ever noticed, but we redid the lighting in the Fellowship Center last year. And it's, it's much better. It has these buttons you can control, different fixtures. But there's one fixture up in the ceiling that was shining down on the floor. So we kind of walked in, and I looked around, and I thought, I've never seen it. That doesn't seem right. So I walked over, and I stood up in the light. As I stared up in it, it went off. Of course, I wasn't afraid or anything like that. <laughs> Lawson and Collier are standing there looking up at me, and I said, hey, it's probably no big deal. We turned, and we moved, and I went like this, and it came back on. And then it went off again. I figured Tim was up in the sound booth. <laughs> I said, okay, Tim, you can quit playing jokes on us now. But there was no Tim up there. So we got out of there as fast as we could. (laughs) I played it cool and calm. I've been running 5K, so I did manage to beat them to the door. No, not really. (laughs) But I texted both Jeff and Tim, and I said, hey, some mystery going on here. And I said, what's the deal? Do you have any idea? And about 30 minutes later, Tim wrote back a very casual text that, well, sometimes when it loses its wireless connection, Those things happen, whatever in the world that means. But you know, that's just the way things are. You find yourself in the midst of a situation where something a little bit strange happens, where you're caught in the light, perhaps. You look up and what you expected isn't what's going on. And sometimes you just have to realize and know that Some things are just a mystery. That's what Christmas is like for many people. 
I mean, we, we have this, this jam-packed celebration time in our country this time of year. I mean, you're out of school all week for Thanksgiving. And then right on the heels of Thanksgiving, here we are beginning the four Sundays of Christmas. Or better known as the four Sundays of Advent. I want to give you a little suggestion that will help you this Christmas season, especially if you're going to be here joining with us, and I hope that you will be. But we have an Advent devotional booklet that you need to pick up. We're asking you to help us defray the cost because these were not things that we produced in-house, though most of our Bible reading guides we do. But these are, we're asking per family that you pick up a book. We didn't order enough for every person to have one. But we uh, took care of about half of them last Sunday, and we need to go ahead and get the rest of our families to put one of these in your home today. So it's, we're asking for $2 to help us defray the cost, but you're going to get four devotionals, four week-long devotionals that are talking about the Christmas season, talking about the season of Advent. The Williamsons lit a candle by the first door over here that we're going to talk about this morning. And you notice that he called it, if you heard Brad, he said, this is the candle that represents the universe. Then next week, we're going to go up here and we're going to light this one up here. You can't see it in the dark, but it's the, the door of time, Christmas in light of time. And then we're going to come back down here on the third Sunday of Christmas or the third Sunday of Advent, and we're going to be talking about a journey or a trip. You notice that the points of the compass are there, north, east, south, and west. And then the fourth Sunday of Advent, we're going to go right back up to the top, and you can see that one barely, but in when the lights are on it, when it's lit, it's going to be a door that leads to dreams. And you go, this sounds kind of strange and mysterious. It sounds a little bit, well, join us and read with us. The booklet has activities for the whole family. There's something for the children to do, which means there's something that we would want to do as well. It's filled with thoughts that maybe you haven't considered about this Christmas season, and it'll help guide you to understand perhaps some things that may have taken you by surprise up until now. The doors, the open door of Advent. Well, Okay, let's talk about that just a moment before we actually get into talking about this particular door. We talk about Advent, and the word for Advent is a Latin word that means an arrival. Now, some Baptist congregations are very, very educated on all of these terms and what you call the church year and the various readings and the seasons, the religious celebrations of the year. We're kind of in between. We acknowledge, of course, all the major holidays, but we don't use some of the terminology that many are used to. So for some people, when you talk about Advent, right there, there's this roadblock. There's this, this kind of uh, this space there that they want to, you know, what is? Why do we call it Advent? We call it the seasons of Christmas, or this is the first Sunday of Christmas, we might say. But it's also known as the first Sunday of the Advent season. And you can begin to see that from the Latin word perspective, meaning arrival, it's talking about the arrival of Jesus. So right then and there, we begin to see and understand that a lot of these words that describe this Christmas holiday season that we may shy away from 
are very, very biblical. And one of them is the fact that we call it Advent or we refer to it as Advent. Or this guide is going to say a guide to Advent when you pick it up and begin to read it this week. It was used by the Romans. Of course, they're the inventors of the Latin language. It was always used for the Romans as they awaited their victorious king returning home from battle. So if you have a Julius Caesar or Caesar Augustus or Tiberius, whatever the Roman emperor's name is, when he would go on a military conquest, or even if he didn't leave the city of Rome, when they came back and were victorious, they would have an arrival ceremony and Caesar would lead it, whether he'd been in battle or not. And that's what this word referred to, the, the arrival of our king who's coming back from victory. But you'll notice, if you look back at history, at the documents outside the Bible too, that Christians never celebrated birthdays. We didn't. The early church did not celebrate the birth of Jesus for the first two or three centuries. So we're talking two or three hundred years. Matter of fact, some of the Early church writers, they're called fathers, early church fathers. If you ever hear that term, it's talking about the men and the women who wrote after the first century. So after the events in the life of Jesus, after the writing of the New Testament, remember, there wasn't just a vacuum after that, but there were many, many people who were thinking and writing and and trying to win the world to Christ. And these early church historians, these early church writers mocked these birthday celebrations that the Romans practiced over and over again. They felt that they were irreverent. They felt that they were not well planned. They felt that they had no place in the Christian experience. And so this idea of celebrating Jesus' birth took several hundred years after the life of Jesus to even be something that Christians considered. So we decided some way, somewhere, on December, I forgot, what is it? December the, come on now, you, you got, you help me. I don't, I don't care if you're full of turkey or cranberry or whatever, just get over it and get back with the program here. December the 25th, all of a sudden, is notched on the calendar as the birthday of Jesus. How did we arrive at December 25? I mean, why do we celebrate it the way we do? It's an interesting study of history. Let me give you just this much of it to help you in our understanding as we open these doors of the advent of the Christmas season. For some reason, there was a pagan celebration on December the 25th to the sun god Saturn. This is a Roman pagan holiday. It happened to be December 25. And some people think that the reason we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus on the 25th day of December, is to compete with a pagan ceremony that was going on long before Christians ever thought about nailing down the birth of Jesus on the calendar. It's a very intriguing possibility. You can see how Christians may have thought, well, if the whole world is out here worshiping the sun, why don't we celebrate the birthday of the true son of God? So it's almost as though some people think 
that the Christian community, those in leadership, decided we're going to celebrate the birthday of Jesus and we're going to do it on top of one of the most pagan ceremonies, pagan celebrations known to man. That could have been one of the reasons we narrowed down to December the 25th. Somewhere along that same period of time, around 200 A.D., so this is a couple of hundred years after the life of Jesus, second century, third century, we find that Christians were split. And those that were in the western part of the Roman Empire and over our way as we took on their calendar, we celebrate the birthday of Jesus on December the 25th. But the ones in the eastern part of the empire noted it was January the 6th. And if you go to Israel today, we took a group last year during the Christmas break, and while we were there, it was a huge deal that the Armenian church, the Armenian Christians in the Holy Land were celebrating Christmas while we were there those first few days of January. From December 25 to January 6, you've got how many days? Twelve days of Christmas. This is where this ceremony or this idea of the 12 days of Christmas, a song you may be familiar with. It's all over. Christians deciding whether they're going to celebrate the birth on the 25th of December or the 6th day of January. But the most intriguing idea I have found is one that just came into popularity. And by popularity, I mean just hit the surface of scholarship within the last 100 to 150 years. And that is that the timing of the crucifixion ties in to the timing of when we celebrate the birthday of our king. Think about it. It was in the year 200 A.D. that one of those early church believers, one of those authors, his name was Tertullian. Isn't that a great name? Makes you want to name someone. Tertullian. (laughs) Tertullian guesstimated and put down in writing that the time of the crucifixion, that month of Nisan on the calendar, 14th or 15th day of Nisan, there's a whole lot in in back of all this. Just take my word for it or go look it up for yourself. But the timing of that would have been somewhere around, let me make sure I'm right, March 25th. He nailed down the Roman calendar and the timing of the Passover feast and the crucifixion of Jesus to March 25th. He also speculated that when Mary was told she was conceiving a child, it was that same day, the month of the year of her life, March 25th. Nine months after March 25, December 25. So for many who are looking back at all the evidence, this idea of when Christmas is on the calendar has everything to do with the cross of Christ. And if indeed he died on that 25th day of March, then the Christian community would say our Savior was conceived and went to the cross on that same day the 25th day of March, and we celebrate his birth nine months after his conception by the Virgin Mary of December the 25th. For whatever reason, we gather around the world as believers in Jesus, and we celebrate his birth on the 25th day of December. 
And we want to ask you to take that journey of looking at some doors to the Advent season. Now, I'm not Calvin. I don't have the musical perfect pitch that he does. But try this with me. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Okay, stop right there. Did I do okay, Calvin? Where'd he go? Right. Where are you? Did I do okay? That pitch okay? Thank you. Kelvin approved of my pitch. <laughs> Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World in 1719, and he was talking about the second coming of Jesus. But we took his song and we plopped it over here to be one of the most famous Christmas carols ever written. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. He was talking about evangelizing the world because Jesus is going to return. And yet we've taken it and we've adapted it and we sing it every Christmas season. Talking about his birth. Let every heart prepare him room. Okay, stop right there. Let every heart prepare him room. If you're going to open up your heart and prepare room for Jesus, that has everything to do with doors. Opening a door of opportunity. Gazing in, and not just gazing in, but moving through that opportunity that is before you and me. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. So what we're doing with a guide to Advent, what we're doing with a door of the universe... A door of time, a door of a journey, and a door of dreams is we are asking God to use these four Sundays and the weekdays in between to show us Christmas, Advent, to celebrate the birth of Jesus in a way perhaps we never have before. The door of the universe I read from Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. It says, After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell to the ground and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. A door. A door that represents creation. The entire universe. What do we mean by that? Well, you think about it. The scripture passage we just read, Matthew's version, Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus centers upon those magi. We customarily think of them as we three kings because of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we don't know how many there were. That's really not the point. 
And the timing of when the magi, these wise men came to gaze at the baby Jesus. Evidently, it couldn't be the way our nativity scenes picture it. Because, you know, we have to cram everything into that one moment when they're in the stable and you have... Joseph and Mary and the baby in the manger and you have the shepherds who were gathered there and you have the wise men who were gathered there as well. But it didn't all take place on that one night. Matthew 2 would lead us to believe that Jesus could have been two years of age when the Magi came to see him. That's why Herod was so enraged when he felt he was tricked by these wise men that he ordered all the baby boys in Bethlehem from how old? From two years of age and under to make sure he covered everything. But it's this idea of the door of creation, the door of the universe being prepared and preparing us for this advent, this birthday of a king, a star, Part of the devotional for this coming week is going to be for you and me, if the sky allows it, to walk outside and just look up and to gaze at the heavens and to know that a couple thousand years ago, God so orchestrated things that there was a bright and shining star. A star that led these magi to the area of the Holy Land, of Jerusalem. And from there, consulting with Herod. And Herod, acting as though he wanted to come and adore the child as well. They followed that star six miles south to Bethlehem. But it's that intriguing verse that Brad read for us. Galatians 4.4. In the fullness, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. Pastor, I grew up under... W.O. Vaught, every Christmas season that I can remember, always said this about this verse. He said, what that tells us, folks, is that Jesus was born not a moment too early and not a moment too late. I love that. In the fullness of time, when everything was just as God wanted it, and that meant that the world situation was such that it was in the fullness of time. What better time for the Christ child to be born than during the time of the Roman Empire when there was a relative peace? Now, some people would say that was a hard-hand-fisted military peace. But there was a road system that connected the known world together. Not a moment too early, not a moment too late. You see, this door... This door of opportunity, this door of advent, this door talking about the arrival of Jesus tells us that God so arranged all of creation, a star that would guide wise men to the place where the child was. A situation politically in the world that would allow for the child to be born, to fulfill the prophecies that are all over the Old Testament, to talk about his coming, his birthplace, his family tree, a son of David, the city of Bethlehem. It all just comes together perfectly. Why? Because God planned it that way, and he shows us that Christmas is all about all of creation preparing for the coming of the Messiah. I mean, If you look all over this passage and at other situations that we find here, there are open doors all over this passage, all over this area of Scripture. 
Think about it with me. Heaven opened the door of revelation. That's one thing that this scripture teaches us. That the very timing of Jesus' birth was nothing more and nothing less than the heavens, the angels appearing to the principal players at that time. The shepherds, the angel appearing to Mary when she conceived. Everything about this shows that heaven is opening a door of revelation to show us the importance if we have eyes of faith. To see what is true. To see the salvation of the Lord before our very eyes. That's what the Magi caught hold of. There's another door that opened in this passage of Scripture, at least the way I see it. Mary opened the door to her home. Now, once again... I'm assuming that the visit of these wise men, however many there were, did not happen on the night of the birth of Jesus. I'm allowing for several months, if not a year or two. They're back in Nazareth. They're at home. And when these magi, when this entourage of important, influential people came and knocked upon the door, Mary opened it. What'd she expect? They knew full well of the fact that Other babies had been murdered in Bethlehem. All of this information, they knew it well. And yet here was an official, an official party representing Herod. Is this the end? And yet Mary opened the door, even in the midst of fear and wonder. The wise men chose to walk through that door. They chose to enter And to worship. And this shows a great deal of faith on that part from my perspective. Because what do you think these wealthy, influential, magi, wise men, scholars, kings, whatever you want to call them. What do you think they expected? What did they think if a star was leading them anywhere, where would it have led them? To a humble home of a carpenter? To a young girl? who could barely be of age to be a mom. But yet, they understood and they knew this star had led them to this very place. This door that represents all of creation pointing to Jesus. And the wise men showed wisdom as they came and knelt and worshipped. I love that little passage there that says that when all was said and done, the wise men understood because God gave them a vision. God told them and urged them to go home by another way. There have been some songs written about that. They're not the most popular Christmas carols, but songs written about these wise men going back by another way. Understanding and knowing the danger that could follow if they followed the normal path that they would normally have chosen. That God led them back to their home, led them back to tell the story, to write it down, to put it in their scholarly papers, whatever it was they were going to do. They didn't understand it all, but they knew good and well that a door of opportunity was opening for them. And they went through it. Which leads us to... What about the doors that are going to be open to us in these next weeks? What doors are already in front of you and me? 
doors of opportunity. What doors are you going to walk through? Are you going to have the courage? Are you going to have the faith that when God presents to you an opportunity, when he presents our church, as we often do and respond this time of year to the needs of others, just take that and bring it down to where you are in your own life. All of creation lined up to prepare for the coming of our Savior. And God, just because he started with all of creation, we're part of that. And we're no less important. And he could well use you and me if we're willing to walk through the doors of opportunity he's given to us. Opportunities to give, opportunities to serve, opportunities to perhaps make life-changing decisions. And then following up with that is simply the idea that what doors are you going to ignore? You know, a lot of people just try to exist from Thanksgiving to Christmas or New Year's. I understand that. A lot of people need help just navigating these days. They're not anything other than hollow to many people. But it doesn't have to be that way. So don't turn a deaf ear or a blind eye to the opportunities that God has for you and me this season of Advent because the doors are open wide. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather here to call upon your name, to celebrate, and to choose to walk through the doors of opportunity you've given us. I pray that as we wrap up this hour, this service, that you'll speak to us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We wrap up this hour like we do every time we meet. We offer an opportunity for response, a time of invitation. Because you see, it could very well be that there are those here and you've never walked through the, the most important door of all. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the only way. And so if the choice for you today is to say, I want to respond by accepting Jesus into my life. I want to make the Christ child my Lord. That'll change the rest of your life. Most important decision you'll ever make. We can't make that choice for you. But we can certainly pray with you and give you counsel and help. And so we'll be here, ministers and deacons, as we offer this invitation. Maybe you're here today and you know the Lord, just never told anyone, never followed Him in believer's baptism. Maybe that's something you want to talk about. You want to understand why it's important, what it means. Maybe you're here today and God's leading you to come through the open door of our church to join with us, to be a part of our family. Church membership is important. It's not that difficult. It's a choice. It's a step. And you join a church like ours by coming forward, stating your intention to unite with us. And then for many of us, I include myself here, maybe it's a door, a door that you hesitate to go through. Maybe it, it looks too mysterious. Maybe you don't know where to turn. Maybe you don't know what to do. Maybe you don't know if it's the right thing or the wrong thing. If you're seeking to honor God this Advent Christmas season, He'll make it abundantly clear the direction that he wants you to go. So that might mean some adjustments in your schedule. It might mean some adjustments in the way you use your resources. Those things that God has given to you.
whatever the issue, whatever the decision, walk through the door and do it now. We stand together, we sing, we wait for you right here. Won't you respond as God leads?